This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. Hello and welcome to another Who's Who at NASA podcast. On August 28th, a NASA robotic prototype lander called the Mighty Eagle had a successful flight, sailing to an altitude of 100 feet. And today on the podcast, we have Dr. Greg Chavers, test lead at the Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Greg, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome, Billy. Glad to, glad to be with you. Uh, Dr. Chairs, can you set the stage for us? What is the Mighty Eagle? Uh, the Mighty Eagle is a um, it, it's a test vehicle, a test test bed, and uh, it was built originally to uh, demonstrate that we can control um, a small vehicle that's dynamically similar to a small robotic lander that that could land on uh, the moon or other airless body. And so we started with a, a flight design, a flight concept and uh, built this uh, vehicle um, with the propulsion system that, that uses uh, pulsed with modulated thrust with very fast-acting valves, and so they're either on or off, they're not throttled, to, um, to, to uh, control the altitude and the attitude of the vehicle. And so um, it was built as a demonstrator for the um, control algorithms. Um, however, um, to leverage more of the design team. We actually included landing legs. Uh, we included uh, the software, the, um, the way we operate the vehicle to be very similar to what the uh, spaceflight implementation would be. And so over the past several years, six years, uh, we've been teaming with uh, John Hopkins University Applied Physics Lab uh, to develop the, the actual uh, spaceflight uh, uh, concepts and um, and, and actually start a design on what we would actually do. And so about three years ago, uh, we went off and designed this vehicle, and uh, 18 months after we started the design, we, we started flying the vehicle. Uh, we've got almost 30 flights now, and uh, the latest series in the, these flights was um, actually, uh, since we've demonstrated the controllability, we have an onboard camera, and we can take the uh, optical images that are on board the vehicle and process it through the onboard computer and it can update its guidance algorithms uh, based on what it sees in the images so that it can fly to a target um, and, and, um, and land. Uh, the, the Mighty Eagle itself, uh, again, is just a, a test bed or a test vehicle which uh, is similar in size and uh, characteristics to what the real spaceflight implementation would be. What is the most unique aspect of this lander and how it was designed? The, the most unique aspect, again, is the, um, the pulsed thruster aspects of it. Uh, a lot of landers, um, if you look at the, the Maston Zombie or, or Morpheus, they have throttled engines um, designed more for the, the bigger landers that would go and land on, uh, say, the moon. Whereas this one uh, specifically was uh, designed to be small, simple, um, uh, robotic lander, and that's why these very high thrust to weight ratio, very small thrusters uh, would be used. And so this one targets the more of the science and the precursor type missions to landing um, payloads on on perhaps the, the lunar surface. So for this one, it's the it's the um, the pulse thrusters that's, that makes it unique, and that it can be packaged really small. You mentioned uh, the onboard camera. So how is uh, how is the lander able to uh, navigate uh, autonomously? Um, we have uh, accelerometers 
And so we fly what's called inertially, uh, using an inertial measurement unit. Um, and inside that are the accelerometers. And so it knows that uh, the motion of the vehicle is changing by, um, by the acceleration that, that the accelerometers detect. And so from that, we can, we can um, calculate what the velocity is and what the position is. Um, and so that's flying inertially. Uh, so what we do is uh, we put in a, a profile to fly, but because of uh, inaccuracies in the inertial measurement unit, uh, we also have an onboard sensor. It's a radar altimeter. And so after several seconds, uh, errors build up uh, when you fly inertially. And so the radar altimeter uh, updates our navigation solution such that uh, we can um, accurately determine the altitude. And the onboard camera provides uh, the, the guidance. And so it'll take a, an image. And uh, for the previous uh, test series, we had a predefined target that was painted on the ground. And um, it knows what the target is supposed to be. So, for example, if we were doing orbital debris, um, uh, deorbiting the debris or, or capturing a dead satellite, um, the camera would know what uh, image it would be looking for and, and could update a vehicle's um, uh, navigation to track to that vehicle. And that's what we had uh, shown. So it'll take an image, um, look for a specific target, and then update the, uh, your navigation solution to get you to that target and provide those commands to the thrusters completely autonomously. Can you, can you take us through your latest, your most recent test run and, and how that went? We finished up the controllability demonstration in November of, um, of 2011. So this latest test run actually started, um, started building up for that in the spring, and uh, we actually changed locations. We went from the uh, Redstone Test Center um, on Redstone Arsenal to the uh, Marshall Space Flight Center test area, which is... Um, uh, still on Redstone Arsenal, but it's uh, on NASA property. And so um, we, we built up another test site uh, very close to uh, the historical stands um, in Marshall's West test area where the, the Saturn rockets were, uh, engines were tested. And um, so, we, um, so this series, using the same vehicle, um, we, we got an area that uh, gave us enough room to do the vertical and the lateral translations. And uh, um, we added the targets to the ground again, as I just uh, mentioned. And we also added in uh, some several young engineers. Since the vehicle was already uh, in operation, we took this opportunity to uh, bring in several engineers with, uh, that had been out of school for two or three years that, that work at Marshall and put them in, uh, trained them and put them in lead positions for the test operations. Um, so we uh, came into our testing uh, did some checkouts because the lander hadn't flown in, in uh, about eight months. So in August, we did some checkouts um, and went right into the test series where we picked it up with a, a crane to about 100 feet so we could uh, see what the camera would see without actually having to fly it and verify that our uh, images were crisp and clear, um, that the camera focus was correct and, and so forth. And then we um, loaded some propellant. And we flew, um, did two low hover tests to make sure all systems were still good. And then we went up to uh, 30 feet and flew open loop uh, so that the guidance didn't update, so that, um, but it was running in the background and got optical solutions. And then after that flight, we ran it back through a simulation to verify that the optical solutions would, 
would provide the correct um, uh, change in path so that we didn't um, uh, go outside of our test area. And then the next flight, we closed the loop so that the lander autonomously flew to the target. And then we came back and went uh, flew open loop again at 100 feet on August the 28th. And then, uh, let's see, that was August. Uh, and then last week, September the 5th, we flew to 100 feet uh, closed loop again. And so we completed that part of the test series. And uh, what would you say through that whole process was your biggest technical challenge? engineers uh, were used in this project and, and can you talk a bit about how those teams work together? Um, and a little more costly than what we use for the test vehicle. 
For the test vehicle, we're using 90% hydrogen peroxide, uh, which is a very simple uh, system, uh, very green, and, um, and, and not expensive at all, so we can do many test flights um, with a low budget. It does simulate what the high-performance um, thrusters would do in that the, um, they're, they're pulsed operation. Um, it's just that the uh, specific impulse is not as good. In other words, the gas mileage is not as good for that propellant. So implementing this, we also included um, the Von Bond Center for Science Innovation and the uh, Intelldyne Brown Engineering uh, and Dynetics um, here in, in Huntsville as well. Participate in the test bed um, to actually go fabricate these uh, non-flight-like thrusters that we were using. And... Um, so yeah, it was a diverse team, uh, organizationally uh, um, challenging to, to do a small, quick project like this, but the people who um, were on the team were all behind it, and so um, we were uh, successful just because of the people on the team wanted it to be successful, and we all worked together. Uh, challenging, yeah, the organizational diversity was challenging. Um, but we you know, clearly stated who who was the um, uh, the lead on the team, who had the technical authority, and um, every you know just once uh, uh, everyone on the team recognized that, we were able to move forward quickly. We've touched on this a little bit, but ultimately, how do you see these being used in the future? Um, for this uh, test bed, uh, we've already demonstrated controllability. We've um, already demonstrated that we can update the guidance real um, autonomously, uh, real-time. Uh, one of the challenges is to uh, demonstrate that we can do hazard avoidance um, with the test bed. Um, our, our friends that are working Morpheus are, are uh, planning to demonstrate the ALHAT technology. Um, this test bed is built, again, for a small robotic lander, so for hazard avoidance it would have to be a very low-mass, low-power system uh, to do that technique. We're thinking about ways to, to do that um, and working with uh, friends at, at Jet Propulsion Laboratory and the Applied Physics Lab, um, uh, John Hopkins Applied Physics Lab as well. Um, and so the future for this test bed is, um, uh, again, allowing engineers to get some hands-on hardware using the full six-degree freedom vehicle. Uh, it would be a demonstration, not a verification or a validation unit for, for demonstrating other sensors. Um, for the robotic lander project um, at, at Marshall, um, this has been a very uh, low percentage of our investment. About 5% of the total investment on small robotic landers went to the test bed. And so we have um, other subsystems uh, that we are uh, maturing um, that, that are ready for um, infusion into a, uh, a real uh, spaceflight implementation. And, and you mentioned uh, the um, at one point you mentioned debris capturing, and I'm curious about it. Are there, are there other applications uh, that uh, for a lander that has the autonomous rendezvous and, and capture capabilities? Yeah, um, uh, maintenance on satellites, of, of um, uh, refueling the satellites. Um, the, you know, the assets that are on orbit, actually getting to those. Uh, if there's communications issue with those satellites, to go retrieve them and bring them back to a uh, potentially a, a space station to, to be repaired and redeployed. Um, uh, or the orbital debris that we mentioned, uh, those are uh, all in space.
rendezvousing with an asteroid is uh, uh, one application. Uh, landing on the moon, trying to navigate to a specific target on the moon um, is an application. So there's both landed and um, free flight um, orbiting applications for, for both uh, for this technology. And what are you working on now? What is your day-to-day -day, uh, work and, and, and your day-to-day -day responsibilities? Mission Directorate at, at headquarters is what has funded this um, this effort for the past several years, uh, and due to the um, uh, the budget challenges that we currently have, um, our day to day my day to day activities now include um, um, informing um, the leaders at NASA of the capabilities um, that we've uh, we've acquired and the knowledge that we've learned through this test bed, as well as uh, um, the testing of other subsystems uh, to um, infuse these to accomplish uh, NASA's near-term missions. Um, in particular, uh, we are um, understanding that the, uh, we have enough technology now to go build a small lander to, to land on the moon uh, within the next uh, three years, and uh, the challenge is basically funding. Um, there's not... Uh, technical challenges and involved in that right now. And my final question, what is your favorite part of the job? <laughs> uh, oh, wow. Um, the, the actual uh, tests of the Mighty Eagle are very exciting. It's a big adrenaline rush to know that you're something you've worked on, uh, something that we've built uh, with, on very low budget uh, is actually operating. And um, exciting when the system works, um, which is a uh, a compilation of many different components and subsystems, and, and it actually works. Uh, but the best part of the, the um, day, the work, is the, the team that I have to work with. Everybody is very optimistic and uh, wants to contribute. And so it's nice being uh, uh, a part of something that's bigger than yourself and uh, a team such that the, uh, uh, the sum of all the parts is, um, uh, or the team, that, you know, it's, it's much bigger than just the sum of the parts. Well, Dr. Greg Chavers, uh, we at NASA Tech Briefs want to take the time to say thanks for being with us. All right, you're very welcome.